from Relay FM. This is Download, recorded Thursday, May the 31st, 2018. Episode 57, Extra Letters. Welcome back to Download, a weekly look at the most interesting stories in the world of technology and the other stuff that you care about. I'm Jason Snell, your host as always. I'm joined this time by three, yes, count them, three wonderful guests. A first-timer on the podcast, lead editor at The Wirecutter, it's Kimber Streams. Hello. Hello. Uh, welcome to Download. We're going to talk about keyboards later. I'm very excited. I'm super excited. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. I'm stacking the deck. That's right. Stephen may be objecting, but that's too bad. It's going to happen. Um, also, a return guest, a host of iOS Today and Tech News Weekly at Twit. It's Megan Maroney. Hi, Megan. Hello. Thank you for having me back. Thank you for being here. And Slovenia's most important technology journalist. Prove me wrong. It's Andrzej Tomic. Hello. <laughs> just, oh, it's getting out of hand now. Hi. Just, <laughs> I'm just going to keep... I'm just, I just get, get a more important technology journalist in Slovenia to write in and tell me that I'm wrong. I just uh, try. Just try. Hi. Yeah. It's good to have you here, too. All right. Uh, we will uh, get down to business. The most interesting stories of the week is chosen by me and download producer Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hello. You did go off the rails a little bit with that third topic. Yeah. I but, just, you, you know, know, it's a uh, host's prerogative, you're, maybe. Also, you're not, really not... Pushing, my, pushing my buttons, so oh. to speak. Oh. Yeah. Keys mm-hmm. are not buttons, Stephen. <laughs> anyway, we'll get there. But first, uh, some actual things that happened this week. There were not a lot, but that's okay. Um, the New York Times reported this week about an ongoing, uh, sort of ongoing angst at Google about the company getting a contract from the U.S. military for a project called Maven, which uses AI and cloud technologies to interpret video images and improve the targeting of, don- of drone strikes, potentially. It seems that many Google workers object to the company becoming a military, a military contractor and feel that using artificial intelligence tech to create weapons is unethical. The Pentagon, meanwhile, sort of desperate for help from the tech world. They want the brains of the tech industry to help them with their technology so that they can stay on the cutting edge. So there's a lot going on here. I'm going to do full disclosure. One of my favorite movies of all time is Real Genius, which is actually a movie about (laughs) scientists having their research hijacked by the military to be used to more effectively kill people. So, you know, it's, it's something that's near and dear to my heart as well um are google employees right to be to object to their company branching out into military contracts like is there is there something about going from building a better way to analyze photos for people's snapshots to analyzing drone footage in order to identify people that you can shoot or bomb in some way um what do you think megan Oh, this is a, a tough topic. We covered this on Tech News Weekly um, last month with Patrick Tucker, who's a great tech writer for Defense One, um, which is a you know a, a, a military defense website, and. It, and this was back when uh, when Google was going after uh, the Department of Defense's cloud um, contract. They and Amazon and Microsoft are all uh, going after that. But it came up again then. It, you know, people people at Google are not um, are wary of their AI being used in um, you know lethal uh, areas, and so I think that. Um, the the lethality issue is really um 
is is what's concerning people. But the department the Department of Defense says we're not actually going to let the AI. We're not going to let uh, a military drone um, decide who's going to die and who's not. But they are going to use all of Google's technology in order to get almost there. And I totally understand that that um, would frighten people, and, and especially people who work for a company that at one point was, you know, don't be evil. That was there. I don't know if that is any longer there. Uh, I think they may have removed that from the documentation at some <laughs> right. point recently. Very recently. Yeah. And I do wonder if it's related. But they, I mean, it's also not, it, you know, people are saying like, oh, lots of people are are quitting. I think it's 12 people who quit. Um, and there's a lot of people that work at Google. I think there were a thousand employees who signed this contract. I mean, signed this, um, you know, this saying also, we don't want this. To be to be fair, s- providing uh, technology to your country's military for their use is not, I would say, fundamentally evil. Like, I get how people would feel like creating better killing technology is immoral in some way, but I did see the don't be evil come up a lot. And I'm like, that's, let's at least say that is a, that is a debate. And there are lots of people within Google who don't have objections to this, clearly. And also, there are lots of companies in Silicon Valley that um, a Palantir is a good example, right? Where they're basically like they were built to be defense contractors, essentially. So, I mean, there's there's a lot going on here, but it does seem kind of out of the charter of Google or like the expectations of Google's employees. And I kind of feel like that must be part of this, too, is they're like, wait a second. I didn't think that was what I was building. And uh, and some very zealous. They Google literally has, uh, they're mentioned in The New York Times, a head of defense and intelligence sales and um, we're all media people but how many times have, have i know in my background have i've found a very zealous salesperson who's really excited to bring in money and then they hand it over to the people inside who have to deliver on what they've sold and they're like wait you sold what um and so you know i i get it but is this is this outside of google's uh google's charter Anjay, what do you think about this Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's the right. short answer. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, uh, sort of me not being in America, I don't really have any sort of, you know, uh, positive things to say about any kind of military, right? So any company that sort of uh, aids in like an endeavor where, you know, we're talking about AI recognizing people that then you can, then you can uh, then actually kill. Yeah. I know it's, you know, it's, I guess, fundamentally morally questionable. So I kind of, you know, salute the 12 people that actually, you know, left, I guess, if that was the, um, the, the reason that they left. So yeah. I th- and I think, I don't know when you, I guess if, if you started at Google, Google a couple of years ago and you're an AI expert, right? There's a pretty big difference between then saying, you know, we're going to do Google photo. So when it's going to recognize people's cousins and stuff, and then that sort of technology somehow gets turned into, you know, basically part of a killing machine. So, yes, it's kind of out of their charter and mm-hmm. I kind of understand the, you know, the ickiness of it all. But it's, um, um, it's sort of also the when you say, you know, there's a salesperson going after the defense contract money, like the amount of money America spends on any kind of, you know, military or defense related, you know, the funding, at least as far as I'm aware, it's an insane amount of money. So I do, I do sort of get that companies want a piece of that, but it's just, you know, it kind of depends on the company, I guess, but it'd be pretty depressing if Google kind of started doing basically the, the military's uh, work for them to, you know, recognize people to kill, which is kind of, you know, let's just say it's wrong. And if, even if it's the military, I know that's kind of weird because it's easier for me to say because it's not my country's military, <laughs> but you know. 
there's there's something to be said about just killing people is yeah. wrong and that that kind of doesn't jive well with the people that you know did gmail i guess <laughs> you know it's, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's a that's a really that's a really interesting point so many of these companies i mean i think this uh goes to facebook too these companies that started as a as a single product company or a tech company you know 8 10 12 30 years ago they've all become so large and so broad that it's inevitable that they run into issues like this when they really just started out being a search engine or a social network for people at an Ivy League school. Like it, it's, there's this very interesting thing with these companies get so large, they start to bump into these really complex things that, that I, for one, don't think that the founders of those companies ever thought they would have to deal with or didn't want to ever deal with. But here they are. And that raises a lot of interesting questions about should these companies, like how should they handle it? Should the, how should the leadership handle it? Um, I don't envy it, you know, uh, thankfully podcast networks and the military are very different types of businesses. So I think <laughs> so I'm safe far. with relay, but <laughs> so far, <laughs> yeah. so far, but I, I find that life cycle of these companies really interesting. Yeah, that's what the Gmail people said at first. <laughs> I, I will say, can I just say like one more thing? Like the thing is, that's a very, it's sort of a very American problem. Like I'm sure there's other, other militaries doing drone technology with AI. Like I'm sure there's a couple of countries, but it's probably like the superpowers. Like I doubt, you know, I doubt we as, you know, Slovenia has an AI drone program, right? Like I doubt that's the case. And this is what just, they want you to a, think. Yeah, well, yeah, that is true. <laughs> the argument is that is that you know is that China is working on this, and the U.S. is trying to make sure that they keep pace with China. Although I'm not entirely sure how much of that is accurate and how much of that is the thing you say in order to justify your yes. research into whatever. There's also this issue, the killer robot problem, almost, which is that part of the New York Times story is about how the AI experts basically said, um, when you announce that we're working with the military on this, don't link it to ai just link it to the cloud because they're i think concerned about kind of having artificial intelligence research uh, be kind of poisoned by its connection to technology that because then it becomes literally becomes computers that are killing people on planet earth and that's bad for the ai industry (laughs) and also like from what i understand google is like like it's a pretty like it's a big company and it's an international company and they have like people working there from all uh, like like the whole world basically so I'm sure there's a different sensibility, you know, from somebody that maybe came from a place where America was involved in a conflict there and maybe was like sort of from your perspective on the quote unquote wrong side of it, you know, to then like make it to America, get a job there, work for a company where you feel like you're helping people, you know, like something, a place like Google, and then sort of be confronted with the fact that you might be helping the military that maybe did some stuff in your part of the world. Like, I totally understand that. And I don't know, that's like, I, I guess it's different for like an American that works there but like, i'm sure there's people there that you know were not born in america and just worked for google came from like places you know where that, that, that sort of yes and that that must just be the weirdest thing like you know so, sort of be in a position where you're helping the company that's going to help the military that maybe did some stuff in your part of the world that you know it's not really the best of what america is all about so you know it must just be you know 
I guess it's all. We'll at least know it's twelve people, right? Like I think that's the conjecture. But yeah, yeah. But apparently, it's a, quite a. Uh, uh, there's quite a hubbub uh, inside Google where there are a lot of people who are quite upset about it, and they're trying to get there to be stated policies by the company about what what is being done and what they will do with the military and what they won't and where they draw the line. Which it, you know, if that comes to pass, then they will have defined it. Which which is some of this does come back to the definition. Like again, I I'm not saying that there shouldn't be defense contractors and that people shouldn't choose to work with them but kimber what do you think you know is the solution to keep the chocolate out of the peanut butter and to say like look if you work for a defense contractor then that's what you're doing and if you're working for a consumer tech company you're not doing that well that's difficult to answer because google has already um i saw an outline story talking about this how google has already given some of its product products over to the defense like the Department of Defense in the past. Oh, like, the chocolate's already in the peanut butter. Ugh. Google Earth has been used for military operations in the past. The way that this differs is this is this bleeds into our computers killing people. Like, are we using AI to choose targets to kill? Right. And that's where it goes. Instead of just informing an operation and trying to keep our people safe and like that sort of whatever mentality that would be or a bug theoretically a bug that you could you would have in a program that a programmer would be responsible for could lead to an accident let's say an accidental death or or something like that that's a of course yeah and um this also like google earth has a lot of applications that aren't military that just happens to be one this is specifically training an ai to do a military operation so i think that that's where employees are drawing the line and some of them are quitting and a, a lot of them are really upset and I think that they're right. You should never trust a large company to do the right thing. It's not in their best interest. Companies exist to make money. So it is the employee's responsibility to object on moral grounds in this case. And let's not forget that um, Google is not uh, the most ethical, even in terms of facial recognition. I mean, two years ago, their facial recognition thought an African-American woman identified her as an ape. So they're not, I mean, it's not like they're this bastion of the highest ethics. I mean, they did something about it and changed it, but they're, and it's not talking about going out and killing people, but it, it is a complicated issue because a AI might be, might say this kind of AI might save someone. It might save one of our soldiers from having to, you know, be in the fight, you know, so it's, it's or civilians. The one of yes. the arguments is that it could reduce civilian deaths. Right. Exactly. The, um, you mentioned Google Earth, and it's funny because I think Google Earth also is the, the other side of this is tech, military technology that ends up feeding civilian applications. That uh, a lot of our uh, uh, Google Earth imagery, right? That can't, that comes from spy satellite innovations, right? The I, the keyhole satellites and the whole idea that it was the having really in depth satellite pictures from space. Guess what? That was for spy reasons. That was for military applications, and the consumer applications came later. So they do it does go both ways as well. Um, it's, you know, it's, I, I think as we've touched upon here, it's not a not an easy uh, topic because there are lots of different perspectives on it. And when you're a big company like Google, I think that's the challenge is how far do your tendrils spread? And is there a point where you draw a line and say, you know, that's not a business we want to be in because it's so easy for businesses. There's in the New York Times story, there's a, a mention of like, it's a big growth opportunity for Google because there is a lot of money in American military contracts. And it's a big step for a business to say, you know what? certain kinds of businesses we're not going to be 
in because you probably do have a a uh, a salesperson in charge of defense and intelligence sales whose entire incentive for their you know for their salary is based on running up those contracts and so it's it is a step for uh, any of these companies to say you know what that's not what we're going to be that's not what we're going to do we're going to draw a line there and not participate um, and if you work there then that's your decision to make right if you want to work in a place that draws that d- depending on where they draw that line on either side of it i can also imagine somebody who'd be offended that google said you know we're not going to get into military stuff and presumably they could leave and go work at a company that does build military technology i don't know google i get the sense we're doing this show for a year now i just i get the sense that sometimes google um keeps keeps coming into the the um the fact that they are not necessarily leading the most examined life self-examination of a company that that they haven't thought about <laughs> some of the things they do they're like oh yeah we do that don't we and then they sort of think about it and and this seems to just be another area of that for google too but it, i do think it's kind of i'm not, not going to say commendable because that's weird but and it's not really commendable but it's there is nice that there's backlash within the company like i think at least that part i can kind of you know say it's a healthy thing i do agree with you they don't they kind of just jump and then say oh we're jumping now okay <laughs> like uh but yeah at, le- at least there's some backlash within it which i think it's kind of at least on this point at least in my view it's totally correct so this isn't just google who's jumping and then being like oh right there's implications for the thing we just invented that's like all of silicon valley so the fact that yeah. there is like a healthy self self examination within this particular company like more companies need that and more companies need to listen into it. Yep. They say they're going to be coming up with guidelines, not just for Google, but for other companies. So, I mean, if that is what happens, if that's what comes out of this, that's great, too. Well, at least the discussion is happening out in the open. I think, yeah, that, that's a good thing. Um, we have more to talk about. Believe it or not, there is more for us to chat about than just killer computers uh, and stuff. There's there's more. Uh, but first, let me tell you about our uh, one of our sponsors. This episode of Download brought to you in part by Pingdom, the company who offers uptime monitoring and web performance management. You are probably more familiar with their good works than you might think because they're keeping your favorite sites online. Evernote, BuzzFeed, Netflix. Uh, um, if you've used any of these sites recently and haven't run into trouble, guess what? You probably have Pingdom to thank for that. Websites are pretty sophisticated now. They have so many different moving parts. Contact forms, e-commerce checkouts, logins, search functionality, and loads more. Pingdom lets you check the availability of all these functions. It's not just about getting a message when your entire site goes down, but when the pieces go down or are not working properly. For example, when we were starting this show, uh, Stephen was looking at the uh, showbot in our live stream and it was uh it was kind of slow you got to get pinged them on that steven you got to get them on that it's easy to get started with pingdom all they need is your url you want to monitor they take care of the rest go to pingdom.com slash relay fm right now you'll get a 14 day free trial no credit card required and when you sign up use the code download at checkout and you'll get 30 percent off your first invoice thank you pingdom for keeping all the sites up and supporting download and all of relay fm Okay, topic number two this time is um, Plex. Plex, the, the well, I don't even know how to, they're like a media serving software thingy, uh, and I use them. I have a bunch of movies um, and TV shows that I have largely pulled off of DVDs and Blu-rays, and they are running on a Plex server on, on in my house so that I have access to them uh 
from anywhere. Um, anyway, Plex has done a, a redesign that's coming out soon, that's in beta now, I think, that is adding podcasts to the mix. It is labeled as a beta. It's pretty basic, but they're, uh, but they are adding podcasts to the mix. Um, so I, I'm just curious with the Plex news, like Plex is trying to do this thing where they be, they go from being kind of a repository of sort of local stuff. They've got a, they've got like a DVR thing now. They've got a bunch of other stuff that they're throwing in the mix. Um, and I, I just wanted to throw it out to this group. Uh, do you use Plex or something like it? And, um, and what do you use it for? Or is the idea of sto- of sort of storing media in your home kind of going, uh, going away and feeling feeling old anybody uh steven do you we'll start with steven hackett you have plex you use plex for anything yeah i've got a plex server set up and the only thing in it is like old apple keynote videos I, really just so <laughs> it's I on could, brand for you very on brand <laughs> it <for you>. is <laughs> uh only really so i could experiment with plex i um uh, maybe embarrassingly like our media ecosystem is still itunes in my household we have an apple tv that is tv in our house and so we, you know, we purchase stuff on iTunes and we rent stuff on iTunes and we have Netflix and, um, and we have a, a family member's cable login so we can watch a bunch of stuff on the Apple TV and those cable apps. But for me, I don't know the last time I ripped a DVD or a Blu-ray. I don't know the last time I found something off the back of a truck. Like it's either streaming <laughs> or iTunes for us. We're adults now. Yeah. Well, Megan, you, what, what do you, uh. I, I have tried, I, like Stephen, I've tried the Plex uh, app. I've tried the Apple TV app. Um, I had a subscription for a short time. I wanted to use it even though I also didn't have, I don't have any local files. Like I just, it's just not part of what I do anymore. And I don't, I'm a cord cutter, so I don't need the DVR capabilities. Um, you know, I just have that. Everything I want to watch is, you know, is already DVR'd for me, um, you know, in all of the streaming apps that I use. So I've never really gotten into it, but I mean, I have, I do know that it is isn't just for people with their, you know, legally obtained or otherwise, you know, local stuff. I, it's 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 more than that. They're really trying to make it more than that. And I do know people that are in the iTunes system that love the Plex app on the Apple TV and use that regularly. But for me, it's just something that I've never gotten involved in. But now that they have podcasts, and will it be video podcasts or just audio podcasts? I don't even know. It's just, I mean, th- this is the basic announcement, but it, it is interesting, right? Like they, they don't, I wonder, uh, w- just hearing these, I mean, maybe, maybe what's going to happen is that Kimber and Anjay will say, no, 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 Plex is the future. Everything I do is in Plex mm-hmm. or maybe not, but like Plex is like, <laughs> huh, storing big uh, video files on a hard drive. We need to do other things. So they have their service and they, and now they're adding po- uh, podcasts in. They're like, they want to, they, they, there's a lot of pivoting happening here, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if it's going to be video podcasts and it will, um, you know, make it those more available to people on the TV. Great. Cause I spent a lot of time putting on makeup and yeah. <laughs> I would, I have, it has to be that someone's watching and not just listening. Uh, Anjay, are you using Plex? Uh, yes, I do. I, I do. Um, like I, I have a cable subscription over here, but I have like the basic plan cause I don't need like 13, you know, channels about food cause I don't care really. So I have like a really basic one, but I have great internet and then I pay for HBO and Netflix and then there are shows which are not on any like one of one or the other, which somehow find their way <laughs> to my Plex server. 
And that's basically what I watched them off. Uh, I will say that I'll actually use Plex as well to, to download, um, um, some Netflix shows and then use, uh, use the Plex, uh, uh, server with uh, Slovenian subtitles so my, me and my girlfriend can watch something with Slovene subtitles if it's like a documentary or something because like the English ones are usually enough but every once in a while there's, it's, it's maybe something more complicated even some HBO stuff but HBO actually has Slovene subtitles in the app but Plex is kind of great for you know I'll, so I'll basically legally download <laughs> a Netflix show uh, for like a, I'll torrent it and then I'll find Slovenian subtitles and I'll use uh, Plex for that but that's basically uh, the, uh, like that's my use case like i don't hmm. uh, share my plex library with anybody nobody i have no plex friends basically sharing oh. their libraries with me <laughs> yeah that kind of sad yeah <laughs> but the the podcast thing i don't know it's kind of it's kind of you know um uh, they they do uh, plex works really well at least in my case uh with, with the chromecast uh, i have a chromecast ultra and that it really it's kind of fast and so i throw everything on my tv through that so if i could do that with like video uh, podcasts uh, that would be kind of awesome so i'm actually kind of looking forward to that because you know getting a video podcast to the tv is sometimes huh? not the easiest thing you know, especially for me because i'm i don't have an apple tv or anything so that that that's that's why why it sounds interesting to me if there's like video stuff I, I'll, I'll be able to watch some stuff because I'll, I'll watch youtube all the time you know, through the chromecast so if i can do that with uh, podcasts through Plex, that'd be kind of awesome, actually. Kimber, are you a uh, Plex user? I am not. I am also in Team No Plex. All right. Um, it's not not terribly interesting, but I can actually see the appeal um, of having your like local media in the same place as all of your streaming media, which is like a big ask. But if they were to pivot in that direction, like that's one of the things that I really like about Google Play Music, and Google might kill that, and I'll be really upset with them if they do that. But I like to have like all of the thing all of the media that i found on the internet in high school and college to be able to be in the same place as all of the streaming stuff that i watch now because it's a lot easier to keep track of whenever it's all in the same place and you're trying to figure out what to watch or what to listen to yeah it's it's the challenge is everybody's fighting with one another to be to have supremacy in this area so it it, nobody is seems to have a big incentive to put everything in one place because i agree with that so I, I end up with plex because i've got a bunch of files that i've accumulated over the years a lot of which are from discs because i don't want to find fish out the disc anymore i own it i've got it somewhere in my house but it's way more easy to i bought a, i just bought a, a tv series blu-ray set and i while i worked i just kept shuffling the discs in and generating files on my server and that's great because now that's all local and i can watch it it's my i've created my own streaming service basically but it's a totally nerdy thing which is why i think that plex is trying to trying to expand and uh and getting making it easy to get video podcasts on tvs is a great thing but um it's a challenge for plex they're trying to figure out a way to uh to to become something more valuable i will say if you are somebody who is a cord cutter and wants to and but is in an area where you can get over the air programming one of the very cool things that plex will do is it works with over the air tuners and you can actually set it up to record shows and it just drops them in your plex library so it can and and then you can treat them like any other recorded show uh or file that you have and a lot of people don't know about that but i always thought that was one of the very clever things because if you wanted to uh if you've truly cut the cord you still probably have access to a whole bunch of stuff over the air and plex will just consume it you buy a little tv tuner thingy and attach it to an antenna and boom you've got a whole bunch of new content flowing in without falling off a truck just comes in from an antenna through the air 
and I, I think we started to take it for granted how well Plex sort of pulls in the metadata for the files you do have. Like, I think that that used to be a real pain when we were all young and just stole stuff, right? And, and you, like have to, you have to do all of the meta tagging and then, and then put yeah, it basically, in. Basically, and it, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Plex really does a good job with that because I also I do have some stuff that I ripped from like DVDs and Blu rays. And it's kind of nice to have something that'll pull the correct, you know, uh, sort of poster art and, uh, uh, um, all of the meta data. It's, it's kind of nice. That was not the case. It all used to be, you know, uh, folders and file names and you just kind of have to dig in and find stuff. But it's like an actual interface with, you know, posters and stuff. It's kind of nice. Yeah, I like it. I mean, it's definitely, I, I used to use iTunes for that, right? Where I'd have a copy of iTunes sharing my, my movies and Apple has pushed away from that. They call them all home movies now, which really annoyed me. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that DVD is not a home movie. And, uh, and so now using Plex, it's, it's better. And there's a lot of great features of it. Like, uh, you know, I can, when I'm going on a, on a, a trip, I can download those files to my iPad and then watch them in Plex on the plane, which is really convenient too. Um, cause not everything is downloadable although netflix and amazon do make most stuff available now downloadable but it's nice to be able to have stuff when you're on a on a plane somewhere anyway so plexes plexes they're still moving they're still trying stuff um more to talk about here but first i want to take one more break and tell you about simple contacts it's pretty great when an app takes a tiresome task and makes it fuss free simple contacts does this by being the easy way to renew your contact lens prescription you can reorder your existing contact lenses from anywhere in just minutes you complete an online self-guided vision test it takes less than five minutes from wherever you are no more doctor's offices or waiting rooms just to get a renewal on your prescription. You can order your favorite contracts, uh, contacts right from their website or app. Simple Contacts offers all the lens brands that you love with options for astigmatism, which I have, and they had my brand that it took me quite a while to find, and they ha- they were like, yeah, we of course we have that. They've got multifocal lens support, colored lenses, and a whole lot more. You can order exactly what you need right from the palm of your hand, whatever you want. The vision test is just $20. It's a lot less than you're going to spend by p- taking an extra trip to the eye doctor just to get your old contacts renewed again that's the whole point here it's not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam this is all about checking that your current prescription still helps you see clearly and then they renew your lenses based on that prescription there's are not new prescriptions they're just to get you more refills basically of your contact lenses uh, as a listener to this show you can get 30 dollars off by going to simplecontacts.com slash download or enter download at checkout that's simplecontacts.com slash download or simply use the code download for $30 off. Thank you to Simple Contacts for supporting download. All right. Uh, Before we move to topic number three, where there are going to be a lot of clicky keyboards happening, I want to tell you about the story you might have missed, something that may have flown under your radar but might be worth mentioning. Um, remember, were they, why, is it Y things? Is that how you pronounce that? It looks like we things, but I, I thought it was like Wi-Fi things, Y things. I know it was pronounced it we things. We things. I don't, I don't sure. know. I could be totally wrong. <laughs> I remember the company that nobody knew how to pronounce, but they like made bathroom scales with Bluetooth and stuff like that. Well, it used to be pronounced Nokia. Basically. Mm. <laughs> so here's the thing. They, so they, they, uh, you know, smart scale analog wristwatch with a step counter. Nokia bought them in 2016 for 170 million euros turns out nokia has sold it uh and the 200 employees that come along with it 
to the former chairman and co-founder of the company who plans to relaunch the business again under that brand that we can't pronounce by the end of the year with products focused on health and wellness. So I guess welcome back. And uh, to Nokia, um, I, I noticed that I don't think I saw what they sold it for, but it was almost like, yeah, we don't we, we don't want this. After all, <laughs> you can have it back. So Aww. they're going to have it back. So you might have missed that. But so maybe those why things, we things, with things will be back sometime. So, you know, don't be surprised when you see that brand. It might come back. But let's talk about topic number three. So Kimber has written and edited a whole bunch of stories for the Wirecutter about keyboards. And that got me excited because I like keyboards, too. Hey, you got to type. Almost all of us use a keyboard, and some of us just care about it a lot more. Um, Camber Story is about uh, mechanical keyboards on Wirecutter. They're gaming keyboards, and they're sort of like keyboards that are for people to actually type words and not just play games. Uh, so different kinds, different priorities. I've written about me falling down the uh, the keyboard. Uh, I don't even know what it would be. The, the keyboard rabbit hole, let's say, uh, a, a couple of years ago where I decided to uh, get rid of my kind of boring keyboard and, and and figure out what kind of key switches I liked. And there's all sorts of things that are involved with that. Um, and I, I, in fact, just recently uh, fell down the rabbit hole one more time and <laughs> bought a, uh, on mechanicalkeyboards.com, bought uh, something called a Vortex Race 3 TKL yeah. Dice Sub PBT okay. Mechanical Keyboard with cherry brown switches. We can talk about That's so that. so many letters. It's, it is a lot. It is a lot. Basically, it's a little keyboard. I like little keyboards. I decided at some point that <laughs> I wanted keyboards that still had arrow keys, but that didn't have like the number pad and the big page up, page down area. And it turns out they do make those. And I bought one and then I bought another one and then I bought another one. And you see how this is going. So I want to ask everybody <laughs> what their feelings about keyboards are. Um, mm. But so let's let, but let's start with Kimber. So so you you obviously are interested in keyboards. What keyboard do you use and why is it why, why is it that people should consider or, or, or what makes it interesting to think about mechanical keyboards? Well, they feel great to type on. We'll start there. Um, but most people don't realize that like you do spend a lot of your time, at least people who work at a computer all day, you do spend a lot of time typing on your keyboard. And there's a lot that you can do to customize it to make it fit your workflow. And not everyone is as much of a relentless optimizer as I am. But <laughs> um, like you said, the smaller keyboards with the arrow keys... Um, are a lot more comfortable. They're like the ideal keyboard for most people because they take up as little room on your desk as possible, which means that you can hold your mouse closer and then like your entire yeah. posture is more comfortable yep. at the end of the day. But you all, you have all of the keys that you need to get your work done. I am no longer a normal person after staring at keyboards for <laughs> two years for wire cutter. And I've gone beyond that to a 60% keyboard, which is the, the point at which they drop the arrow keys. Oh boy. So in order to use the arrow keys, I've reprogrammed my caps lock key to be function. And then I type that and then IJKL are my arrow keys. So navigating a spreadsheet is um, a feat now at this point. Yeah, that was the, that was the line that I drew in the sand was I'm not holding down a modifier key to use the arrows yeah. uh, to, to get around. I, I should say, because our friend John Syracuse always points this out, uh, mechanical keyboards is a misnomer. Oh. Keyboards are mechanical because they're keyboards. But the idea here is you've got that big, like the old style keyboards that had the big switch. It's tactile. It often makes a very pleasant 
depending on who you are, your neighbor who's also trying to work, it does not think it's pleasant, but I work at home and I don't care. The cat doesn't complain, um, but it makes a pleasant sound. <laughs> it makes a pleasant feeling. It, 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 uh, it, you, you, when you build up a head of steam and you're writing something, it goes clackety, clackety, clackety. There's something about it that's almost like typewriter-like in a way. There's a lot, uh, there's a lot to be said for it. Uh, and, and so, you know, I'm, I'm a fan um we're, they're also easy to uh repair if anything breaks and if you're into tinkering they're actually really approachable to build yourself yeah there's a lot there's a lot going for it now now um we're going to talk about this more but i want to test everybody's uh kind of opinions about keyboards Anje, how how uh, what's your feeling about keyboards oh yeah i'm um i just use mechanical keyboards oh yeah uh, okay as well. yeah i have a uh at home i have a, a steel series g6 version 2 with blue switches uh, this, that was the first mechanical keyboard I bought uh, when I knew nothing about mechanical keyboards. But for work, because I'm a nice person and I share an office, I have the Dust keyboard uh, Ultimate with brown uh, switches, mm-hmm. so it's a little quieter. And I, I got it without the, any of the markings, uh, so it's blank, uh, which Jason <laughs> keeps making fun of me for that. But there's an actual health um, like reason for that. Because I can, uh, what's it called? Touch typing, right? When you don't yeah. look at, is that the expression? Okay, yeah. yeah. So I can touch type, but as long as there's like markings on the keyboard, I'll still look down. And for Ooh. people that don't know, I am uh, very, very tall. I'm like six foot eight. So, and I have some neck issues. So if it's blank, it, I, it, kind of removed the urge to look down basically so i can just look at the screen and that that das keyboard is maybe the greatest keyboard i've ever uh, typed on around but like uh, you guys said um, it's 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 huge because it has the number pad and i'd like something smaller so i've been i have a bookmark it's not, it's not even a bookmark it's even worse it's a pinned tab in chrome for the last uh, two months for the uh, vermilo <laughs> va69m uh, and I keep looking at it, but it's kind of hard to get in Europe. Uh, and I also want the ISO layout, which is something that if you're into keyboards for you Americans, it's all fine because you all have ANSI and it's the, the wrong, let's just say it, the wrong size, uh, <laughs> return key, Whatever. which is the, an abomination, basically just the worst thing in the world. Uh, I want my large return key. Yeah. Keys aren't meant then, to make right angles, but it's fine. Whatever. Well, you know, you know, you know, to each his own, but our way is the right way. Anyway, I, I, <laughs> so, all I, now I just give you a hard time because, um, because I, I say that the keyboards without labels, it's just showing off. You're like, look, I'm so cool, I don't need it. But I get, I get that you, then there's no temptation to look down because it's not going to yeah, help no, you. G- genuinely, that kind of it really helped because I, I when I'm at home, like the Steel Series one has markings and stuff, so I'll keep looking down and know where the keys are. But like at work, and it, there's another benefit if that's your work keyboard, like nobody will see it at my computer basically. <laughs> like it's they just they just dumbfounded when they sit down and they see there's nothing what? on the keyboard and just. <laughs> Yeah, they just leave basically. But I, w- I just wanted to point that out because I'm I'm probably like like you guys like way too much into you mm-hmm. know uh, mechanical keyboards. It's, it's that the the whole NCISO layout stuff. Uh, it, where it really hurts is when you want to get uh, like a, um, a keycap set because like all of the good ones and they're all cheaper if it's uh, ANSI, right? If it's the American style. Well, well, let me tell you, being a Mac user, it also is a problem because oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't, sure. I don't really yeah. want, I have a Windows logo on the keyboard I'm using right now. It's not good. I don't approve. It's not, <laughs> no. And, well, it's even like, and as far as like even the ISO stuff, like usually can get maybe the German version or like uh, the Nordic version or, and, or maybe the French, but that also means I, I don't have any of the, you know, our letters. We have a couple of letters in our alphabet that aren't really you know that widespread so i'll lose all of those but again the large 
return key is the only way to use a keyboard. I just want to... Yeah. I like having Andre on because he drops knowledge like how uh, in Slovenia they got extra letters that we don't have. No. <laughs> what That's are great. those letters? Just don't even <laughs> don't ask him. Or we're going to open the Pandora's box here. Megan, uh, what about you? Do you, you just, uh, you, do you not care about keyboards? Do you just use the keyboards or do you have some like specific opinions about keyboards? I feel it's a moral failing that I don't care more about keyboards, yeah. but I do not. I um, My 2015 MacBook keyboard is just fine and I use a magic keyboard with my iPad and I'm fascinated, first of all, Kimber, um, the tower of keyboards on the Wirecutter article um, that the fort, I, I shouldn't call it a tower, more of like a fort. The fact that you created a fort of keyboards uh, is amazing. And I wanted to commend <laughs> you on that. Thank you. That is also why I have this problem. <laughs> it was that guide that did me in. And now I own uh, five to... Seven keyboards, depending on how you count. That, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like extra letters. Don't ask. There's just suffice it to say. <laughs> suffice it to say. I'm going to th- uh, throw a little curveball in here and um, show you something that I've been testing lately that will probably blow your minds, unless you've already seen it. It's the tap, like finger keyboard. It's tapwithus.com. And it's a keyboard that fits over your fingers. And it's a keyboard and mouse. And you have to learn a whole different language. Like the thumb is A and then it's A-E-I-O-U for your hands. And I've just started learning it. And it's insane. But you can tap on any surface. You can tap on your desk. You can tap on your head. You can tap on your heart. (sighs) And so tapwithus.com, it's a ridiculous thing that I'm not, I guess it's for gaming too, but um, I haven't learned the language yet, but I think it would, I just wanted to blow all of your uh, keyboard obsessed minds. Wow. <laughs> this I, looks I have crazy. to try it. It's yeah, like, it's like little rings insane. that you put on your fingers and then you, yeah. I, I can't do, I mean, part of, part of my thing is like when I say I can't, I have to have arrow keys and all that. It's like, I learned, I type really fast, but I learned to type myself without any training on a, on, by like typing in computer programs on an Apple II when I was a kid. And so I type totally this very specific way people are like oh you should try the split keyboards like i can't i can't i can't I would, do it either i really can't I, I, yeah. I the keys have to be exactly where i want them to be and then i'm super efficient and so i'm kind of stuck and since i grew up it was an apple II, right so it didn't have a number pad and that's why i really like these small keyboards that let my trackpad yeah. be much closer to my keyboard because i never really counted on there being a number pad or anything like that and so it didn't it, you know it's it's taken me back um stephen hackett what about you? What's your uh, what's your relationship with keyboards? It's me. Mine is complicated. For a long time, I used the Apple Extended Keyboard Two that comes with Alp switches, the aircraft carrier. It's, uh, yeah, it's enormous. And uh, a couple of things sort of happened. One, I started noticing what we were talking about earlier that pain of having your mouse too far to the side. Yeah. And uh, the Apple Extended Two keyboard is approximately four feet wide, so that was problematic. <laughs> But I ended up having like some like nerve damage in one of my arms. Actually, I had surgery for it. And after that, I'm not better. But after that, the the throw distance uh, for these keys is just too much for me. And so I use the Apple, uh, you know, the Magic Keyboard that came with my iMac. It's a it's just, a, Magic Keyboard's a good keyboard. It, it, it's um, mm. it's it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I have one and I use it sometimes. But I, once I once I switched to the mechanical keyboards and got the much more of the travel 
it's called when you when the the yeah. distance that the the keys move up and down that that kind of made a difference i should say for people who are intrigued by this and everybody else has probably stopped listening at this point um <laughs> you can buy a tester like i bought i went to wasd keyboards and bought a tester which had like a bunch of different switches because one of the problems is they give you these options because different key switches feel different and they sound different and as a novice you're like blue brown red i have no idea what you're even talking about or or uh you know even ones that, that go beyond the standard sort of cherry key switch colors um but a bunch of these uh companies that sell these mechanical keyboards will sell you a tester it's like a little square with one key and one switch for each of a variety of uh switch types and you can sit there feeling like a jerk going click 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 oh what's the difference between those two but it totally works for me because i bought a cherry blue keyboard when i got into this to begin with and i realized that it was probably not the one that i wanted and that now i f- i bought a tester and i figured out that i preferred the i prefer the browns like the one that uh that, that Anjay has at work that are you know a little more clacky and a little less chirpy and i realized and that's a great way that's a great place to start if you don't want to get a tester because they're pretty much universally good for stuff and your coworkers won't kill you right. for having yes. those. So, yes. so Kimber, do you have any other advice for people if they are interested in co- kind of going beyond the stock keyboards that come with their computers? Like what, what, I mean, obviously they should read the article on the wire cutter, but are there things to think about or look or, uh, or consider when you're thinking about doing this? When you're thinking about doing it, um, hug your wallet and, yeah, uh, and tell it that you love it mm-hmm. <laughs> before you much. make any decisions. <laughs> um, but uh, getting a switch tester is pretty much the best place to start. Um, and then check out the wire cutter article and probably um, the, the best place to start is to think about what layout you need. Do you really need a number pad? Do you type numbers all day long? Then you should be looking for a full size keyboard. If you don't need that, probably a 10 keyless is what most people should get. Um, but beyond that, we also have a blog post written by um, our wonderful senior editor, Nathan Edwards, about why he loves compact mechanical keyboards. And that's mostly what we've been talking about right. here at the show are the ones that are very small, but don't give up the arrow keys. Um, so you can consider which of those things best fits your needs and then go from there. And we have recommendations on which ones are good to start with. Yeah, so you can start really huge, something that's almost like the aircraft carrier that, uh, that Stephen mentioned earlier. And you can drop the number pad, and, you, and that's the 10 key list. And then you can get more compact, like what I've got. You can get even further down to 60%, which is what Kimber has, where the arrow keys are gone entirely. Those, those keyboards are adorable. They're just, you, you just got to use a modifier key if you want to move your cursor around in the screen you just gotta be you gotta get to that point and and or if you've lost your mind entirely you can get a 40 percent keyboard like i have with the minivan that doesn't have um even a row of number keys along the top and then you need to have a cheat sheet by your keyboard oh, to boy. be able to use it at all or <laughs> megan totally passed us by entirely and just went straight to the thing that you strap on your hands and that mm-hmm. doesn't have any keys at all if you really want to mm-hmm. go that route but there's options out Galaxy there. Brain. when i talk about this you know there's a, a, i don't know some percentage of people large percentage are like you yeah, know whatever i just don't care that much and then there's this little kind of like smaller group that's like i'm interested in this because some of us really do use our keyboard an awful lot and yep. maybe just accept what's in the default and that's fine the default it's important as as users of apple's current laptops have discovered um uh <laughs> sometimes the default is fine when the default is fine um it needs to appeal to a broad audience one could argue that the new apple laptop keyboard design is problematic because although there are definitely people who love it um it has issues and there are people who hate it and 
I, I kind of feel like the default should be a, a, as broad an appeal keyboard as possible. And, and that's good. If you like the default, you're great. But there are keyboards that offer all sorts of different layouts and sizes and feels. And, it, and there is that certain group of people who listen to a conversation like this. And they're like, I'm kind of intrigued, but I don't know where to start. And that's where I was a couple years ago. And there, there are great resources out there. And yeah, you should, uh, you should check it out. There aren't as many Bluetooth mechanical keyboards. They're mostly USB. There are some, but they're mostly USB. There are a few that are out there. But um, but if you're sitting at your desk typing on a computer, um, yeah, all day, it's worth at least considering uh, what you're typing on. Yeah. Hashtag large authentic. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. All right. <laughs> and extra le- the hashtag extra letters for Conchay, <laughs> too. All right. Before we go, I want to give the Fuzzy Puppy update that we like to give every week where we tell somebody something happy. Um, this is uh, literally a puppy update, and it starts out sad, but it has a great happy ending. There was a puppy that was abandoned in a park in Ohio um, in a cage and written on her fur in Sharpie were the words free on the, on her side. Good home only was written on her head. There was some illegible su- stuff written on the other side. Like, though, seriously, there are agencies that will let you turn in an animal. Do not do this. The good news is that puppy was taken in, given a bath and many scrubbings to try and get the Sharpie off, and was adopted yesterday. Uh, and her name is Marvella. And she is adorable and much more adorable now that the Sharpie has been erased. So a happy ending to kind of a weird, sad story from Ohio about a fuzzy white puppy. Um, Next week, it's Apple's developer conference. So we're going to do we're going to do a live show with Relay FM on Wednesday night. Um, I will be there. Stephen will probably be there. We'll have uh, at least one guest uh, to talk about the news that will appear in the connected podcast feed. Is that right, Stephen? That is uh, that is correct. That's the plan. And then there will also be uh, there'll, there'll be some other stuff going on on stage and it'll all go into a special episode of connected next week. And we will do our normal download episode, but probably live and in person in San Jose talking about the Apple stuff next Thursday, a little later than normal. Um, so yeah, that's going to be a busy week next week. Anyway, that's mm-hmm. next week. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of download. Uh, Kimber streams. Tell me where people can find the stuff that you do at thewirecutter.com. Just get it at the wirecutter. There you go. Uh, Megan Maroney, where can people find the stuff you do? Uh, twit.tv and uh, starting in July get your podcast catchers ready uh, my friend Florence Ion who I believe has been on this show many before, times yes uh, she and I are going to start a 12 week uh, IOT show on uh, on twit and you can watch that and as much as possible we're going to be referring it to it as the internet of thangs okay so just that's be fair. For that. and you're, you're bringing the ios perspective and she's bringing the android perspective so that's kind of exactly. nice you just get you know mm-hmm. to kind of take the phone ecosystems out of it and just talk about the internet of things stuff or thangs mm-hmm. stuff, whatever thangs. you like okay fair 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 point Anjay tomich where can people find the stuff that you do in slovenia presumably <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 this is like one of, one of the few times I actually have something to plug because on stormingmortal.com, that's my English feed where I put all of my English uh, interviews. I had like Max Tankin on a couple of 
weeks ago. So that's pretty fresh. Nice. We talked about Trump and stuff. Like it's like Dubai Friday, but just with Max and a Slovenian guy, which is weird. But anyway, okay, that that exists. So stormingmortal.com Storm basically. Immortal. And then there's a bunch of Slovene stuff nobody cares about here because you can't speak the language with the extra. It's got letters. the extra letters, yeah. Uh, and your your English Twitter account is Atomic XX, which is the greatest yes. Twitter name ever. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Stephen Hackett, I will see you next week. Yes, sir. Yeah, that'll In be person. good. And uh, until then, I still remain your host, Jason Snell. We will keep watching those headlines so you don't have to. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.